Hi, it's Dan from Desert Island X, which is the podcast you're about to listen to, obviously. This episode features the brilliant Laura Smith, and everything else you will need to know from here on out is fairly well explained, so I won't go into that here. But Laura is very funny, so you should enjoy it. Also, please do subscribe to this podcast, and if you like it, give us a little rating on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast, because it means a lot. And if you don't like it, just don't leave a review. Do nothing. It's fine. Anyway, here's Desert Island Dicks with Laura Smith. Hi, I'm Dan Benedictus and welcome to Desert Island Dicks, the show that sees you marooned on a desert island after a plane crash with the worst people and worst things imaginable. Who they are and why they're a dick is up to our guest and here to share their Desert Island Dicks with us today is comedian Laura Smith. Hello. Hello. How are you doing? I'm very well, how are you? Good, good. Uh, I know that we're supposed to be easing out of lockdown but I'm just sort of used to my lockdown life now so I'm kind of content almost yeah same i've got a sort of shotgun on the veranda now just getting at people (laughs) (laughs) uh thank you for coming on today um how have you found the process of uh choosing your your dicks today well um at the risk of sort of virtue signaling signaling or being holier than now I found it quite a struggle because everyone i thought of i thought oh well i'm sure i'd learn something from them or you know that that sort of I'm sure I would find a way to get along maybe that would be interesting in being all kind of nice about it and also trying not to be a sort of troll about it because I thought <laughs> actually I don't know anyone in the I don't know these people maybe they're really nice and and, and then I thought no let's get mean so I had to dig deep for a proper bit of mean I did okay well I hope it hasn't been too too much of a struggle and uh, maybe there was a bit of catharsis in there to sort of lighten the load um okay well let's dive right in then who's going to be your first choice well, I think it's maybe a bit of an obvious one. I've gone for Michael Gove. I'm mm-hmm. sure a lot of people can take pot shots at the uh, government. I'm going to flag up that I've not ever watched one of the daily briefings. I don't know why I'm mm. advertising that. So it's not really the current climate, but um, I have been a teacher for many years. And when he was the education secretary, he was a little bit mean. And yeah. I think he kind of typifies a certain kind of Tory sort of chauvinism you know that that they can only embrace their their experience and worldview and not have any compassion or insight into where other people are coming from like the kids that you teach in an inner city London school and you know the books that he decided to insult or the structures that he put in place and doing away with Mm. so much creativity and without any insight into or understanding of where these young learners were coming from. So it's him, and he just looks like, uh, you know, a real caricature of an evil, nasty man, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. I um, I remember Frankie Boyle describing him once as looking like a haunted ventriloquist puppet carved from the actual yew tree that yew tree was named after. <laughs> and I thought, I couldn't, couldn't come up with anything better than that, so I'm just quoting him. But um, Yeah, it, yeah nail on the head. And who was someone else described shaking his hand like reaching into um, a dilated cow? <laughs> Which I just can imagine as well. Yeah, he just looks so damp, doesn't yeah, he? He's like damp. always. It's like someone sort of. He has to be sprayed constantly oh, to sort of keep his skin moist. There is a. Is it all politicians or is it just Tories that they look like, like a flesh-coloured play-doh has been put in a suit 
and then just squeeze the soup and then their flesh comes out and forms some sort of yeah. similar face type shape. Yeah, like the creator was sort of making his little people and just went, oh, I can't be bothered. And just, yeah. sort of, oh, they've got crushed in my pocket. Never mind, they'll do. And yeah. sent them out anyway. It all, it all looks fairly undefinable to me. I yeah. don't know. So, and I think that's an easy pot shot. I could have gone, of course, for Dominic Cummings. I could have done Boris Johnson, although he served on the front line now because he's actually had the old yeah. COVID. But, uh... well, I mean, there's an embarrassment of riches, isn't there? Yeah. If you want to take pot shots at a cabinet. But I think Michael Gove is particularly dangerous because he does seem like he's someone who will just change his mind to fit whatever will get him closer to power you yeah. know and then he'll be sort of so so in favor of it um he came out with the uh sort of we've had an i think the public have had enough of experts line which i think has probably been one of the most damaging things <laughs> that's been said in the last 10 years you know well that's it where was his expertise when he was diving in on education we've had enough of yeah experts. we kind of want a few more actually exactly and it's like where does that leave you then it just because once that's okay of us saying we've had enough of experts then never you're never going to consult anyone who knows more about something than you <laughs> you know as soon as so you say to anyone oh actually i do know about this because i specialize in this area yeah. people go oh we had enough of experts yeah you know like that's that's just you're up against a rock wall of of intolerance and just refusal to learn but this is it and and when it's kind of i don't know yeah if it was a sort of working class kind of voice they'd just be exposed for their ignorance there's some sort of like pig-headed ignorance that seems to be allowed in a sort of etonian sort of toffee way do you know what i mean yeah and there was a thing wasn't it recently was it um I don't want to get this wrong, but was it Stormzy came out with some opinions on Twitter and then Michael Gove was saying, oh, well, he's hardly a political expert. And you're like, well, but but you've said that... So hang on, we don't trust experts, but no one else is allowed to have an opinion. (laughs) Oh, you only want to hear yourself speak. I get it, right, of course. And and push push an agenda and... I don't know, yeah. So I feel like I can go with him because it feels a li- really, it feels personal, and I just spend the whole time arguing. And I, I'm really, I'm really getting into like the desert island. What would mess with my mojo, sort of mm. frame of mind? And he really would because I just want to beat him up and argue with him constantly. <laughs> yeah, and he, he doesn't look like he'd fare very. He'd be sort of quite limp, and you know, he'd oh the sun's too hot. Oh, I'm a bit too hot. Oh, I get burnt. Oh, can you fetch the water today? This is he'd it. Just, you know, I'm very chauvinistic. I'd be exploited. I'd, be, mm. it'd just be, I'd finally land on a desert island thinking I could just have some chill time and I'd be getting exploited somehow. And patronised. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it'd simultaneously kind of do you down for being a woman, but and, but also get you to do all the hard work. Yeah. Yeah, a good choice and an awful man. An awful <laughs> man. Yeah, I think he he also has that sort of, that smug getting the last word in thing that I think would just be excruciating to sit through on a desert island, wouldn't it? Oh, no, yeah, 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 yeah. I think the sun's going down. No, it isn't. Oh, well, okay. It's just a cloud. All right, fine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, very good choice. And uh, who's your second choice? Who's going to be joining you and Gove? Well, another one. Again, I'm proper in the mode of who would mess with my flow on a desert island. Mm. And it might be a bit of a weird one, or maybe not. You know, um, Tony Robbins, Mm. the big, big loud, gravelly-voiced, powerhouse, life guru, billionaire. Yes, yeah. I find him really unnerving. Yeah, because it's all sort of how to improve your life, here's how I did it, why aren't you a billionaire, that sort of thing. Well, this is it, and there's a sort of kind of 
evangelical sort of church kind of hysteria at mm. these massive auditoriums he sells out with people that are probably really quite desperate for change and need some real fundamental sort of changes in their lives, spend sort of £1,500, £3,000 on a ticket, have all the hyped-up answers, and then are left... Mm. Then they walk away and go, oh, hang on. And I know from my own sort of experiences of making huge changes, you know, I've had the career change and going into comedy, it doesn't work like that. You have to have... Mm sustained commitment and it's and it's a little bit too jazz and razzmatazz and kind of fireworky and exploitative and you're a billionaire yeah you know there's yeah. there's something going on here and i just find um you know he's got this whole team behind him that i watched the netflix documentary i'm not your guru which kind of really this emotional um quite emotional moments in it but you think well hang on a minute these people are I just think exploiting vulnerable people again, maybe. Yeah. And just that energy as well. I could just imagine if I wanted to be on a desert island, <laughs> you know, just catch my fish, feel the fire, get back on yeah. the hammock. And I just think that he'd be too imposing. <laughs> mm. And I can imagine any of your faults, he'd use other people as a mirror to hold up to your faults. And be like, see, you didn't catch that fish because you went in there with the wrong attitude. Yeah. See, Mike, Mike, Mickey Gove over there, <laughs> yeah. he came in there with a good attitude. He's used this, he's used the situation <laughs> to his advantage, you know. Be more Mickey. What's the mantra of the island? Be more <laughs> Mickey. That's what we get, I think, definitely. I feel like I'm being really earnest and not funny at all on this. But, you no, know, no, I've put quite a lot of thought into it. <laughs> I think what always amazes me about people like that, because you see, I mean, I remember watching a Louis Theroux documentary years ago about hypnotists, and it was a similar kind of thing. And there are all these people in a conference that have paid a thousand pounds or whatever to be in a conference, and there's a billionaire telling you that it's his techniques that have allowed him to become a millionaire. And you're like, there's 5,000 people in this auditorium, and they've paid a grand each. That's you could be talking about frozen peas for an hour. It doesn't yeah, mean yeah, yeah. Like, that's not why you're successful. It's because I talk about whatever the fuck I want. Yeah, if you've yeah. all paid me a grand, that's why I'm rich. And then you go, I followed all the steps and I'm not successful. Ah, but did you follow point seven B? That's why you're a failure. Or did you maybe you just didn't believe enough? And it's like, no, it's because they don't have an auditorium of people fucking spending loads yeah, of money. This is it. It's that simple. And it, and it's using, like you say, sell bloody frozen peas, do a cookery expo, because it's a very dangerous territory to get into to make people's vulnerability the product almost, isn't it? It's like going... Yeah. And, and, and it's like when people have these positive affirmations, positive visualisation boards, and I just think that's not actually the route to success. When yeah. you watch, because um, I watch a lot of rockumentaries and all that sort of mm. stuff, you know, it's, it's always like... Uh, Oh yeah, well, this band needed a bassist, and I saw it in the NME, and now we're Queen. You know, it's always yeah, like yeah. just following, and that's how success comes. You know, just following your nose and going for it, not kind of wake up at five a.m. and have a cold shower. And it's like, oh, all right, bro. Yeah, and I think that sort of um, mentality is, you know, really sort of pervaded society as well, because you see it a lot in things like the X Factor, and it's like, oh, if you want it enough, you know, and it's like. There's loads of people who failed who really did want it enough, but at the end of the day, they needed to pay the rent, and that's why they didn't carry on. Or, like, you can just be shit at stuff and really want it, but you're not a good singer. You know, like, I could want to be Beyonce. It's not going to happen. Yeah. You know, well, for all manner of reasons. (laughs) Yeah, to index it to some sort of kind of spiritual realm or self-belief or anything like that. And 
if there are sort of, for instance, blocks within you that are stopping you kind of go for stuff or believe in yourself, that's go and get go and get a bit of sustained sort of therapy, not some big mm. like I say the fireworks and like a headpiece shouting in an auditorium. It's I think it's exploitative, and I think also. Again, success is loads and loads and loads of little steps and kind of manoeuvring and all that. And it's not whatever you, someone's definition says. It's not this huge sort of life-changing transition mm. from a long weekend of... Do you know what I mean? It's just it's yeah. just, uh, just too much. And I don't know. He's a billionaire. Yeah. And like you say, you know, the like luck does always play a part as well. It's like... You know, there are probably other Tony Robbinses out there who aren't successful yeah. as him, you know, for whatever reason, you know. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it's like people do just fall into bands sometimes. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, I think it, it is, like you say, it's just, it's very cynical and horrible. You know, it's, he always comes at it from an angle of, you know, wanting to help people. Like, I want you to be a success. I want you to make it out of here and turn your life around. It's like, well... Why don't you do it for free then? <laughs> yeah, no, this is it. I mean, our our own guru, Russell Brand, in this country, he's he's kind of got a model where he's I've realised, and I'm a huge fan, but kind of almost selling the twelve step program. Like people can go into their local church and join an AA or NA or do you understand mm. what I mean? There's sort of making self improvement as a product kind of freaks me out mm. a little bit. And also, you know, like, I don't want to bring it down to money, but if you have got a few quid, most things are a bit easier. It's mm. not going to make you happier. If you've got problems before, you've got, there's loads of millionaires with loads of issues and substance uh, uh, issues and things like that. But, you know, if you're not also worrying about paying the bills or getting food in for your family, it does help a bit. You know? Yeah. <laughs> not to say that people with money can't also be right about things and, and tell, you know, preach a little bit, you know, but... Uh, yeah. 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 yeah, sorry, a bit heavy. I feel like I'm being really No, not at all. Like, we have people put their own parents on the island sometimes. <laughs> I <laughs> I mean, like, think of that. And I'm pretty sure that Tony Robbins might have featured previously. So, I mean, you're in good company. Oh, cool, I, cool, I cool. just think it'll be very difficult that everything that happens will be your fault, you know, for not wanting it enough. Yeah. I mean, the only benefit would be that if being stuck on an island could be quite a leveller, and when you're hauling in more fish than him at the end of the day... I mean, that would be a sweet feeling to be like, oh, Tony, I think maybe uh, you're not directing your uh, your want for food yeah. in the right way. Yeah, or like he'd sort of be fashioning a sort of earpiece and headset out of twigs and leaves just to yeah. give him the sort of power trip. That's what I could imagine, you know, rather than getting down to brass tacks. I mean, he could be a really kind of practical person, mm. but I just wouldn't want that time for introspection, really, I think. No, <laughs> no. Self-improvement. <laughs> Or, or if you did want it, you want to be able to do it on your own, not have it, like, shouted at you. <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to get some fish. I can't recall what my dad did wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and Gove's going to cosy up to him straight away, isn't he? Oh, Cause he's, be... I mean, Gove is someone who holds the bully's jacket, isn't he? He's that kind of guy. Oh, he's not a leader. 100%. So. I'd be well on the outside of all of that, definitely. Mm. Yeah, God, what a melting pot of dicks already. But <laughs> no. that's only two of them. Who's going to be your third? Well, in the in the interest of gender equality, I thought I've got to have a bird in there, and I so <laughs> I um I don't know if it needs much explanation. I feel really mean. Amanda Holden. Amanda Holden. Okay, talk us through it. First of all, to quote the the legend, uh, Danny Dyer, she's only famous for having a rollabout with Les Dennis. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I'm a big Les Dennis fan. Maybe that comes into it, but I think. Again, I don't really recognise a lot of her talent. I don't really get that. Mm. And she's chuffed 
to bits with herself she is i think mm. just chuffed to bits with herself and you touched on it in x factor this idea of gatekeepers you know they mm. walk out on britain's got talent like they're from the capital in the hunger games with mm. you know polished shiny dressed and big grins happy with themselves and they sit there and say we know what it is we know how to you can get there we're the gatekeepers we're like it's like yeah. some greek gods or something <laughs> and they say you've got it or you haven't and and it and it really annoys me because again going back to success you know like any success I've had in comedy or it, it doesn't work like that <laughs> you go well keep working hard forever yeah. and ever amen <laughs> and yeah. you might sustain a career that's all there's not you've got it you haven't and I just and I just yeah so I've picked on her I could have picked any of the lineup but got all these I mean... tiny teeth as well <laughs> <laughs> but also she's not I mean being a presenter is a skill in itself, right? I mean, you know, like, I had a go at radio presenting in my younger years, and I'm not very good at it. You know, there's people that can do that kind of smooth presenting and people that can't. But it's not like... That doesn't mean you're the arbiter of all sort of musical success. I mean, like, the person singing, I would say, is arguably a bigger talent than being a presenter. But what is she? Is she a presenter? She's a judge. What is she? I don't know. Isn't she just a presenter? Was she an actress? Actor? I don't know. This Hello? But don't, but yeah. you should know because she is the judge of whether other people can do stuff. But this is it. It's, it seems insane. I mean, if you've got no sort of discernible skill other than kind of just giving opinions, then I don't know. I mean, that qualifies you to be a judge in some extent. But I kind of, it's like they always have like pop stars that haven't done that well. Mm. So it's, like, it's not really for you to say, is it? And if we get now, let's just nearly get into it then, because you've painted the picture for me of on the desert island. She's sitting there. You've mm. got go. You know, you got Tony Robbins marching about, telling everyone how to live. Gove cozying up to him, exploiting me, and her sitting there judging the fish that I've trawled in. Yeah, yeah, and I think I'm going. I mean, this is completely un, unsubstantiated i'm just guessing but she sort of seems like the person who would like a mantra or two to live by and so on that do you know what i mean She's oh like, live laugh love all over her yeah all over the shop. so i think that and tony robbins combined you know it's like yeah tony agree agree i mean i, I did this uh course of yours and yeah. da, 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 da. she'd have had you a two-week juice cleanse yoga retreat and yeah it changed her life that's what yeah. happened yeah definitely yeah. she'd be the sort of quick fix and a bit, a bit botoxy i'm not kind of throwing shade but a little bit you know she does look very brittle brittle quite brittle you brittle's know. got talent yeah <laughs> <laughs> she's got tiny teeth she's a bit brittle and yeah. i don't know i feel that some presenters feel more genuine than others and others seem like they've sort of rolled off a factory production line mm. in Surrey somewhere. I always <laughs> think in Surrey there's this big warehouse <laughs> that's like churning them out. Do a load of Love Island contestants, here you go, yeah. boop, 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 boop. and then, you know, she just feels like one of those a little bit. It doesn't feel very sort of organic, you know? Yeah, she leaves me a bit cold. I don't, I don't, I don't know what, I don't know, I don't know what she is. And I think I'm, there's part of me that's quite scared of really groomed women that know how to mm. do that. You know, they just smell nice, and I'm a little bit like, you know, and I just feel like, uh, yeah, I, you know, you want to sort of slap their legs or ruffle their <laughs> head or something. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. There's that sort of porcelain, porcelain look to her, isn't there? Yeah. 
Hmm. Well, I think these guys are going to get along famously, but uh, that's probably a downside for you. Yeah, I can't. I'm, I'm, I'm actually getting a little bit nauseous thinking about how horrendous it'd be. I'm only picturing the whole scene. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, mercifully, amongst the wreckage of the plane, there was some food and drink left over. Unfortunately for you, it's your least favourite food and drink in the world. What are they, and why are they so bad? Well, I've got a bit of an issue here because I can't. I don't think I can name food that I dislike. Right. I just okay. don't think I can. At, at best, scallops are something. I'm, I think. What are you? Because they do, they've kind of mm. got the consistency of whitefish and shellfish all at the same time. I get few, confused by them. But I decided that my worst food to be on a desert island with would be crisps. Okay. Because I'm addicted to them, like right. scarily so. So I think the only benefit I can think of of being on a desert island is just, you know, being losing loads of weight and how healthy I'd be. But if crisps were a factor. If it was yeah. a massive plane that had crashed with only crisps left, that would be me really. I'd I was I just it I just think I've got a like um I'm saying like you know how Elton John had to write a farewell letter to cocaine. Mm-hmm. I think that's what I'd have to do. I'm gonna have to pen a letter to Crisps and say, Look, we've had a good run. We've shared <laughs> many a good time, we've accompanied many a good pint, but just stop now. Yeah, I often think that the only limiting factor to how many crisps I could eat is just the size of the bag do yeah you know what or, I mean? or if there's more in my house or whatever right it's, yeah. there's such danger and like poppadoms i can include them in crisps like, i think i could eat more poppadoms than any other by weight than any other oh, food i think unreal i mean that it's that mindless thing of i don't i don't know how it's done that's it my limit to crisps would be the limit to crisps mm. in the whole wide world it is unreal it's like popcorn though isn't it, it just it's a really satisfying thing like so i'm trying to think of new fun things to do with my son while we're in lockdown and the other day I was like oh right I'm gonna make popcorn and then you see how it's made and that's fun and it's kind of healthy-ish for you but it's like crisp so let's have some popcorn and it's just I didn't even want any but I was just stuffing it into my face and it just sort of sensorily it takes up every you know it's like the touch the crunch it doesn't really fill you up so you can just keep stuffing it in (laughs) you know it's just like it's empty but it just is so satisfying in so many ways (laughs) it's um there must be a science... Yeah, you've described it quite well, the sensory experience. Because my relationship with food is really weird. Like, I'm... Because I'm always having to cook for kids or do that sort of stuff, so I feel like I have to think about food. But generally, I'm not the sort of person... You know, I've got pals and people that are like, oh, well, I downloaded the PDF of the restaurant menu, so I know what I'm going to mm. get. Or they'll be like, oh, I've seen they've got an actually really good restaurant there. Or thinking about food or planning meals and all that sort of stuff. I'm kind of not like that sort of person. I am I do love food, but when it's in front of me, there's some sort of blindness that overcomes me. <laughs> like, oh, I seem to have eaten everyone's food. Do you know what I mean? And, <laughs> and um, so, like you said, that's it. The crisps, the popcorn, those sorts of things. It's the mindlessness of the consumption that... Mm. I, yeah. I, I don't know. Could you, get, could you slip into a coma from crisps? Could you, uh, if <sighs> anyone know, was going to push it to that I mean... limit, it'd be me. <laughs> Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? There's sort of things that I notice sometimes that, um, like, certain things you can just eat. Like, I love apples. I always I eat a lot of apples. And I realise sometimes I'll eat them so quickly, I forget if I've eaten one or not. I'm like, did I just leave it in the kitchen? <laughs> no, I did. It's just gone. Yeah. I don't even remember eating it. So it's like, you're stuffing it in so quick. And I do the same with crisps. I'm like, I didn't even get any satisfaction because I was so, like, autopilot yeah. with it. I don't even know if I ate it's it or thing. not. <laughs> so I like, good, yeah, good replacements in my fridge, like a, a gherkin. Even mm. though it's sort of, um, 
fish sticks, you know, like whole like yeah. non food crab sticks that's probably yeah. constructed from what they've swept from the fish market floors each day. <laughs> um that that's a good little substitute or just a carrot here and there. Mm, oh, yeah. actually I should have put that one. Car- you know, pre-cut carrot batons that taste Ooh, like yes. fuzz. They're sort of soft, aren't they? They're what kind of rubbery. They? Yeah. Cloudy yeah, they're weird. Pigs. Yeah. Well, I'll let you take them as well. And I mean, going back to scallops as well. Is it scallop or scallop? I never remember. Scallop, scallop. I, I've got issue with them because you always see them on things like Master Chef, and they look great, and they're sort of they feel exotic because they're quite small yeah. and they're quite posh. And they kind of look great, you know, and everyone's like, oh, yeah, I've cooked a scallop with blah, blah, blah. And then when I tried them, I was so underwhelmed. Yes. It's like, this isn't, I mean, yes. it's not, they're pleasant, but they're not, they shouldn't be on the pedestal of seafood, no. which they're on. And I love, I mean, I love a sea, I love seafood. I love an oyster. Mm. For me, that oysters are just the champagne of food. They really are. If you can, I know people can be weirded out by them, but for me, they really do live up to the hype an oyster. And... But a scallop, yeah, you poncy little liar. That's yeah. what I think about it. And it has yeah. got the consistency of a sort of tough white fish. Yeah. But not quite a shellfish. But they're a bit, there's a jelliness to them as well. They're sort of, it's like, are you soft? Are you hard? Yeah. Who are you? Yeah. 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 And well, I love black sh- pudding. And you can only ever get black pudding in a nice restaurant because it's always in little cute fried cubes on scallops. And I was like, no, I just want black pudding. I just love, yeah. That annoys me as well. Yeah, someone's decided that's the pairing, isn't it? It's like, that's what you get. Yeah, it's always the two. Well, um, should we say... I agreed with me on that one, because I only briefly went for it. Well, you know, I think a lot of hosting this podcast is, you know, I'm like you, I'm not that fussy about food, but... I, always, I am open to the idea that some things that I'll, you know, eat quite happily are also dicks, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm kind of like a, quite a bad devil's advocate in that I just agree with most things, but, you know. <laughs> um, well, we could say scallops and crisps, and I'm going to throw on a little, like, half-arsed um, accompaniment of those carrot, those floppy carrot sticks that yeah. you get in, in pre-packed things. Yeah. yeah nice and one, uh, what, what would your drink choice be? Well, um... Oh, I kind of, I've kind of got two things here as well. Mm-hmm. I want, I'm going to go for gin. Okay, yeah. Gin's had a bit of a resurgence. There's a bit of... I just, I just don't get it. Mm. It's all really tarted up at the minute, but it just feels like a bit of a miserable old drink, really. Mm. It's having a bit of a fancy resurgence, like, along with unicorns and avocados and hashtags and eyebrows, but <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, they've all got the same PR firm, apparently. Mm. I think it feels to me like, and this I haven't researched this, but it feels like the whole keep calm and carry on thing and gin, they sort of came up together yes. because it was like, oh, this is quintessentially British. It's like, oh, don't worry, have a gin, gin o'clock, mummy likes the gin. <laughs> you know, it's sort of, and now there's all these different types. And it's mm. like, I know behind, I like gin. But I feel like behind every interesting independent gin that you see, there's just some twat in a tweed waistcoat with like a sort of one of those curly moustaches, you know. Oh, of course, we're very excited. I've just launched the East London Gin Company. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because that's what it would be called. There probably is one. I'm not trying to like, like slander anyone. If there is one, that's just, cool I just tried to make that up. But do you know what I mean? It's like, it's just got a whiff of kind of twat about it. Yeah, I'm afraid so. And I feel like I'm going to, 
hurt people's feelings. And and also, again, I'm such a weirdo, but maybe going back to Amanda Holden, it's like a it's it's it's. It's the drink of people that have got their shit together as well. Do you know, like, I've been to the gym all day and I'm just going to have gin and slimline tonics tonight because and they know how many calories or sins or pro points or whatever's mm. in it or proteins in it. And I just think, oh, why are you thinking about stuff like that? And mm. I just, the deep satisfaction of a pint. I don't know. I like, I mean, mm. I like a mixer, you know, I like, um, I like a, I like a vodka. Mm. I like a martini. I don't mind it. I'm not totally against it, yeah. but... Yeah. There's just something that what comes with it. They're like, oh, gin. And it is Mother's Ruin, isn't it? I'll, I'll get weepy on a gin. I do like that it's got a name, like Mother's Ruin. Yeah. You know, I think that, that, that to be honest, that's in its favour, I yeah, think. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, <laughs> Mother's Ruin. And Stella gets called Wife Beater, which is kind of not that nice. But I think I'd like there to be more drinks with names like that. Yeah, you know? yeah. Because I do like it. But um, the other thing that puts me off gin, even though, as I say, I do like it, is nowadays if you go into a pub not that we can but um in those halcyon days yeah. now if you order a gin and tonic in central london at least you get served in a fucking fish bowl this is what you i'm see saying these enormous goblets and i don't i'm not like oh, i'm a bloke i can't have a bloody nice glass yeah. with a stem like no, not at all but it's it's just i don't like it it's a scallop again it's it's something dressed up as a like i say it's it's mother's ruin or it's like Eliza Doolittle telling the story of, you know, biting the biting the uh the spoon right off when she's being fed gin or it's it, to me it's such a sort of uh, I don't know, like don't they drink gin in nineteen eighty four as well? It's like it might yeah. as well it, it's such a it's it's been dressed up as something that's fancy schmancy and I just feel like calm down, gin. Yeah. We know yeah. what you are. Yeah. We're all going we to be crying before. in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> and is, uh, was someone telling me there's like a study where in times of austerity that you c- there's a historical context of gin, like you were saying, the keep calm and carry on, like the, the laws allowing the independent distilleries come about. That's why mm. it often has a resurgence. G- Google it because I'm, I'm pathetically paraphrasing this and could have researched it before I come on your podcast. But... Like it is part of austerity. Gin is a a, a sort of keep. You know, I don't know. Keep, yeah. Like a keep the uh, keep calm and carry on. Yeah, sort like of a drink. sort of sedative of a sedative, the people. Yeah, yeah, and um, yeah. and it and it is often has a resurgence during these times because it's a cheapened kind of perfunctory drink dressed mm. up in a fish bowl with scallops and an Amanda <laughs> Holden stirrer. Yeah. <laughs> And I think that because I like I like vodka over gin, I think. But and I think that I could be wrong about this, but I'm pretty sure that gin is just you start off with the spirit and then you add all the juniper and stuff to it. Because I think if you just have vodka, you have to craft the spirit to get something that you could drink on its own. Because mm. I think gin is just like they already they just get a spirit and then they add loads of botanicals in. So it's not it feels like it's less effort. You know, like yeah. I tried to get my brother-in-law a make your own gin kit one year for Christmas because he was expressing an interest. And all it was is like you basically got a bottle of vodka with some stuff to stick in it and flavour it. And I'm like, well, that's no wonder yeah. there's so many independent gin companies because it's a piece of piss. Yes, this is what I'm saying. It's a little bit of fur coat, no knickers sort of thing. Mm. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Thank fair you. Fair enough. 
Now, uh, fortunately, you won't be without entertainment on the island. The plane's entertainment system continues to work, but just your luck, it only has two working settings. One's your least favourite film of all time, and the other is your least favourite song. What are they and why? Well, <laughs> least favourite song? I mean, where, you know, where do you begin? But I've gone for I've gone for overrated. I've gone for con- controversy. Um, <laughs> Africa, Toto. Okay. Mm. Yeah. I'm not bothered <laughs> about it. I was saying I'll take sort of Lionel Richie's all night long, all day long over that. That's that's <laughs> the superior. Oh, that's the superior sing along for me. Mm. I'm I'm the friend who always get asked to play at my mates' weddings. Ah. Right? So I've I've been packing both of those for a while. Yeah. I've got to say they both. They both occupy a similar space, don't they? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I've got a little sort of subfolder of, like, drunk sing-along. You know, so when it gets to the end and they're all going on. Um, Yeah, it's weird. I mean, I think I enjoy the effect it has when I'm DJing more than I enjoy the song itself. Yeah, yeah, You know, because it's a sort of get-you-out-of-jail-free card. Like, if not enough women are dancing, you stick on, I want to dance with somebody, and that's, you know, that fixes that problem. Five times in my wedding, I had that, yeah. Yeah, you know, so there's sort of some, you know, very useful tunes, and it has, has been useful over the years. But, yeah, on its own, I mean, it feels weird that it was ever a song that was just released in the charts by a band. Do you know what I mean? Like, now it's got this status as a sort of wedding sing-along. Yeah. I'm like, right. But it's like the Friends theme tune. That was just a song once, and yeah. that just seems bizarre. So the idea of Toto just releasing Africa as as a normal song on an album feels bizarre. I know, but, it was, it, but it's like a meme how much people love it. And mm. I, I, I don't know if it just missed me by in my childhood. Like, so there's, you know... Um, Paul Simon, Call Me Out, or all these songs that for me are just total sing-alongs and excitement. Mm. I don't know what happened, but Africa missed my childhood or something. I don't have any associations the way people are like, ah, and you go, yeah, what? Like, there's yeah. a few, I just, it's just more me just not getting it. I don't get why it's so, I don't get why it's got the status it has. I don't rate it. I feel like there's been a little resurgence amongst millennials with it. Like I've seen like lots of people a bit young for it getting really excited over it. And I don't know if it's like a bit of sort of you know, slightly ironic kind of liking it or I don't know who yeah. they know. I don't think anyone knows anymore whether they're liking things ironically or you know, my I've got a seventeen year old daughter and she just got excited about a pasta coming from eBay and she's wearing like Ed Hardy t-shirts or like an old you know like an England girl's fan top that she ties up sort of at the back and mm. to me and I look at her I think everything she's wearing is gross but somehow it's all alright again and I can't I'm like are you doing that ironically have you, are you do you know what I mean yeah yeah like I'll be on Instagram or something and get served adverts for trainers and I'm like these are bad like trainers the Seinfeld like Seinfeld dad trainers yeah, and it's like, I don't even think these were cool when they came around the first time. It's almost like someone sort of scrolled back through everything going, everything from the 90s. And you're like, no, 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 but these were still shit in the 90s. So I think there's this element of people go, oh my God, yeah, everyone loves that song, do they? I don't. Mm. That's what I'm sort of saying, <laughs> yeah. It's very uh, disconcerting when you feel so out of sync with things like that. I mean, I don't think I feel so out of step, but I don't, I think this is shit, isn't it? Yeah. You know, like, it's like, you know, with Pharrell and the Neptunes and like everything they released was number one. I remember being at uni at the time just going, I think this is all just all right. But everyone's losing <laughs> the shit. You know, like, is 
have I got a problem? Do I need to speak? Yeah, it can yeah. feel, it's quite an isolating feeling, isn't it? Especially yeah. things like music and fashion. Yeah, there is that sort of, yeah, like, uh, am I the only one? Yeah, it's like Emperor's New Clothes and you're sort of going, am I the only one seeing through all of this? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's about it. Also, I'm really imagining, like, fireside sing-alongs with uh, Gove and Robbins and Holden. Yeah. You know, just uh, as the sun goes down. Oh, it's sunset, let's get out Toto, have a little sing-along. Yeah, this is it. And I, and I also, because I, there's another, I don't know if you know, there's another programme called Desert Island Discs. It's a bit like this. Oh, right, yeah, OK. Yeah. So, but when I think of, when I think about my choices for that, I think, but I've got to listen to it on loop. Yeah. And I actually think I couldn't ever listen to that song on loop, but Lionel Richie, like, as you know, as someone that mm. plays at weddings all night long on the same par, I could listen to that forever yeah. and ever, amen. If I had to listen to that once, you know what I mean? I have to think, mm. yeah, but... And I think with Toto, even if you got used to it, there's always going to be the bit that jars you out of your sort of slumber when they try and fit in Kilimanjaro into the line. <laughs> yeah. You know, it just wedges it in there and you're like... <laughs> Oh God! Yeah. You know, well even done. if you've just forgotten about it for a little while, yeah, you know. yeah, 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 that's it. Fair enough. Uh, and what's your film choice? Well, you know me. I'm greedy. I'm trying to now. You know me from this long conversation <laughs> and our long, long relationship that we've had now, discussing my island plans. Um, I, there's a little bit I'm annoying, but I've gone. I've gone for Hateful Eight. Mm-hmm. I'm probably yeah. duh. You're meant to hate it. I just watched that film and I thought, I don't know what you want from me here, Quentin. <laughs> I don't know who, I don't know what you, I don't know what, I don't know how to read this film, mate. Mm. I thought, it's just, I just thought, everyone, what is this? <laughs> Every, I mean, it's just too much. He, he out, he out Tarantino'd himself somehow. It had no yeah. charm. It was just horrendous. And I didn't know. A woman was getting beaten up throughout the whole film, who was a horrible woman, but I just thought it typifies his sort of, I don't know, f- fetishising of violence towards women. I think he loves it. I think he... Mm. I think I think he might be a bit of a misogynist and a bit of a racist, really. I just think I want Samuel Jackson to stop doing his films because I just think, yeah. what's going on here? What is yeah. going on? And... um you know, I found Django Unchained, for instance, and even what's that, Inglorious Bastards. I thought, okay, but they've kind of got a, a good thing going on too, despite mm. the violence and just horrendous characters. But in Hateful, I just thought, I don't even know what you're trying to achieve here. I hate it. I don't care about any character. If if you, the whole thing burnt down, you know, I just hated yeah. it. That's it. Yeah, it's funny with with Tarantino because you sort of you have certain tropes or sort of things that you're in each film and that's fine when you've only got three films but when you've done sort of eight or nine and you're still kind of getting back to these things you're like okay but does every film need to say the n-word that many times so maybe it was in context in this one but in this one you know i think or like i think we could get away without like he's really into women's feet isn't he like every single yeah it's like do we need to see a but, you know, it's like, okay, we're on to you now. Yeah. You know? It's like with Woody Allen and sort of, you know, getting sort of young, beautiful women. It's like, yeah, no, we we can see what you're doing now. Yeah, yeah. It's not just one it. or two. It's like, we're on to you, mate. Yeah. Um, and it just yeah. seemed like that. It seemed like without, you know, I think, I actually think Tarantino's Ter- one of his best films is Jackie Brown. I mean, mm, just a, yeah. a real, you know, um, well thought out. I mean, that he got in trouble for the N-word in that. 
mm. which uh, maybe I'm stupid, but I didn't notice that because the film and the story and these older characters and this delicate love story and this tension and I know it's not um it's not an original story, is it? He wrote the screenplay, but I just thought what and such a brilliant film. But when it, it's just all of that charm, all of that storytelling, any character you're invested in taken away, it, it's just gratuitous. I found it gratuitous, and I just thought, yeah. what you yeah, like you say, I get it, I get it. That's what you do. Yeah, I haven't actually seen Hateful Eight. I think it's the one of his I haven't seen yet. But I, it's mainly because I've got such a aversion to long films, and every time I thought, should I stick this on? Or it's already half nine. Oh, I don't know if I can <laughs> yeah. be asked now. You know what I mean? When you got kids and you think, oh. Oh, it's got to be really worth it. Oh, I can't be bothered. And you know that, like, all of it, it's going to be full of monologues and you yeah. just, oh, I can't be bothered anymore. Did you watch the Coen Brothers collection? What were they? I'm trying to think what they were called. The Collection of Stories, Barnaby Gradual. I forgot that wrong. Oh, I know what you mean. I haven't seen it, no. Which are so good. And actually, you think they out Tarantino, Tarantino. In the, you know, like, I can't explain that the stories are gripping and violent and in the deep south and weird horrible characters but they're so good and so charming that you watch hateful eight and you just think it's almost it's so reminiscent of that and it just doesn't it just doesn't bang at all it's just like mm. yeah yeah and i think westerns can be a pretty drawn out slow form of entertainment anyway yeah i don't know i just remember when i'd be young and you know my brother would have one on and it's just it's like nothing's happening yeah. it's just a long shot of a desert and a man walking and there's no dialogue and yeah. i imagine tarantino has a lot of dialogue though you know he's gone oh. the other way i mean the hateful eight is just everyone in a cabin and they're all horrible that's mm. about it and then they all and they just keep beating samuel jackson's character keeps beating up this woman so you think what are you reinforcing in terms of what we understand people's roles you know yeah. are in this world you know like what what you know Samuel Jackson's such a disgusting character in it I think well what what are you hoping to achieve that and you do have to kind of read films sometimes in terms of archetypes and what you're reinforcing about stereotypes and you think what are you doing here what is the point of this but it's funny because it's sort of he'll have those similar types whatever film he's doing so it's like it is just more of a personal obsession because that, yeah. they're all completely different. One's a Western, one's like a Kung Fu sort yeah. of thing. You know, so why does the same thing keep popping up? Because it's, you know, it's not like you're, a, you're this social activist who wants to talk about domestic abuse or, or no. violence. And, you know, yeah. it's just quite... And it becomes a bit more personal and strange, doesn't it? That's it. I mean, even Kill, like Kill Bill, you're talking about the sort of Kung Fu and Japanese samurai kind of fighting he still manages to get in a real low down dirty hick element of mm. you know tobacco spitting beating up women and you think where does that come why do you why where's your obsession with that and why is like why do you think you have a license you know why do you have a license you know yeah. and why do you have a license to include the n word and and this violence against women is it is it's dangerous i just think he's the dangerous person and hateful eight is the is the uh, You've taken the piss now, Quentin. You've gone too far. That's it. <laughs> yeah, I feel he's on a, on a losing one with this. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Um, now, uh, Laura, finally, the island is overrun by the biggest dick of all the animals. Oh. Which animal is it and why? Oh, mate, I'm sure I'm the 400 billionth person to have said it, but a snake. Snake, yeah. Uh. <laughs> fair oh. enough. I can't. You know, there's like stories on the internet about that snake that would sit close to its owner and it found mm. out it was sizing it up. Um, 
Oh, just snakes. Whatever size a snake would be terrifying. How people keep them as pets. Oh, my mm. God. I think about that snake uh, sizing up its owners quite a lot because my son, one of his favourite soft toys is this really long, soft snake. And because he's kind of got to that, but he's just got into his soft toys. There's loads in his cot, but the snake is always right down the side of his cot. And every time I'm tucking him in, I just think of that snake (laughs) sizing him up. It's kind of macabre. But yeah, snakes, I mean, they've got a bad press, but I don't know if all of it's undeserved. Yeah. Who wants? I just it, it just it is a phobia. It's definitely a phobia. I don't understand people. You know, I was watching Jaws the other night, and people have phobias of sharks. I'm like, well, that's not a phobia. A shark could kill you. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Or people have phobia of spiders. I don't get it. They're tiny, but a snake. I get. They're just. It's a phobia. It's just. Um, I could never have a snake around my neck when I see things like that. I could never do it. I couldn't do it. I mean, not a million pounds. I could do it. I think they, I don't find them particularly scary, but it's just the unknown, there's so many unknowns, you're like, are you dangerous? Like, I saw one in the wild once, and even though I'm not scared of snakes, it was terrifying because it's impossible to tell which way it's going, and it was right on the path in front of me, so I just wanted to stay out of its way, but because of the way they move, I was like, I don't know how to avoid you, because you're just going everywhere yeah, you're just a piece of string that can do what it wants yeah mm. yeah I, when I was little I had a real fascination with them and I really wanted a pet snake and I never got one because my mum's Australian so she's terrified of them <laughs> yeah and um but even as someone who's admired them I can absolutely understand why they're terrifying and you know like if you see them kind of climbing a tree or something where they wrap around things it's like it's something weird isn't there I can't even listen to the words you're saying about describing them i mean it's a real for the listeners as i've been talking you're you're really recoiling yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah um and have you have you had any particular incidences with snakes or just just uh no no i can't i can't look at them on programs i hate them I, I can't i can't look oh the way they move the the, Mm. their eyes everything i hate snakes i hate them (laughs) I like Fair that enough. film Snakes on a Plane. I've got that to me. That's, <laughs> you know, that, that, that's like, ah! I like, yeah, that's perfect for me. Oh, mm. no. And you know what? I think as well, it might be linked to that Tremors film. You know Tremors? Yeah. Those yeah. big serpent, that man. Oh, yeah. That is the ultimate. I should, yeah, that is gross. I mean, I think most animals can be dicks at times, but <laughs> I think it's not that hard to imagine a snake being a dick. I mean, if you're yeah. like, writing a character, it's it, they've kind of laid it all out for you, haven't they? Yeah, yeah. I was on holiday once and I saw like these guys who had these big pythons around their necks and it was like they'd go up to tourists and say, oh, give me $5 or whatever and you could take a picture with the snake. And there was this woman who had obviously was terrified of snakes and her family had convinced her that, you know, if you just, you know, aversion therapy, like go and touch it and it'll help. So they laid this huge python on the ground and sort of held on to it. And the woman was so scared to touch it that her family had to hold on to one of her arms to stop her like falling over while she sort of stretched out with the other arm to touch it. And she was screaming the whole time. And I thought, once you get to that point, you know it's not going to cure you. Do you think like, what, in that final inch when you actually do touch it, bang, everything's cured. I was like, let her her go. She could be scared of snakes. It's going to be all right. Yeah. You know. That's what I mean. There's some some things are logical, like you say. You don't know how they move. You don't know if they're poisonous. You don't know how powerful they are. I don't like when people say, "Yeah, I'm scared of sharks." Yeah, of course you are. You're meant to mm. be scared of them, you know. And there's just some things you don't need to cure. Like maybe yeah, dogs. You might have to cure that because they're everywhere, and you don't want to mm. be scared. Or 
or things like that. But I don't know. Yeah, don't just be scared. Just be yeah. Like yeah, you don't have aversion yeah. therapy for you know, I don't know, a masked gunman. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. You know I mean? Like you just need to get used to being around masked gunmen. The thing is, they don't actually want to hurt you most of the time. You know, if you get out of their way, they'll leave you alone. That's the thing about a masked gunman. You know, yeah. they're more scared of you just or the police. Just hand over the money. Get in the van. That's yeah. it. Get in the back of the van. Yeah. <laughs> well, Laura, I think you've done a great job uh, oh, making an uh, awful uh, habitat for yourself today. So oh. thank you very much for coming on. Um, and obviously, you know, as we record, lockdown is potentially being eased, but none of us know what the hell is going on. Oh. Where can people hear or see more of you? Um, well, what am I doing? I'm doing um, not much, really. I kind of haven't got totally comfortable with online um, performance. You can find me on my Instagram, that Laura Smith, Smith with a Y. Um, and uh, I'm sometimes funny on there. That's about it, really. <laughs> Lovely. Well, we'll all keep a lookout for you there. <laughs> no. Thank you very much again for coming on. Cheers.